Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into a summer mailbag podcast on Inside Carolina. I am Taylor Viplis, former Carolina receiver, hosting this and answering questions that the loyal IC listeners have submitted. If you like this kind of podcast and want your question answered, shoot them over to me on the message boards or on Twitter for a chance to be featured in the next one. I appreciate anybody that sends in a question, and I appreciate everybody, of course, listening or watching this on YouTube right now, rocking with me. The first question up, this is a two-part question from two different people, but they have the same answer. It's, who will be Drake's go-to wide receiver this season, and which offensive playmaker besides Drake May will make the most impact this year? I'm starting with this one because it's what I am the most confident in. Drake's go-to wide receiver this season will be Tez Walker. My boldest take entering the season is that I think Tez Walker will easily, easily be a first-team All-ACC guy by the time the season ends. You look at the reports out of Chapel Hill, and they are that he looks to be the most complete wide receiver that they've had in quite a while. The The best comparison that I have for him in, in recent Carolina history for, for his body and his athleticism, he's a bit taller than somebody like Deami Brown, I'm pretty sure, for, from what I've seen. So I would go more towards somebody like Anthony Ratliff-Williams. But the, the biggest difference between him and somebody like Rat is that Tez Walker is a lot more polished as a receiver and he's going to stack a lot more consistent days in comparison to somebody like Anthony Ratliff-Williams who was switching over from the quarterback position. And when it comes to Tez Walker, do not be fooled that he's coming over from a small school in Kent State. Instead... This is your opportunity now. I know the Inside Carolina fans are smarter than the casual college football fans, and they're listening to this podcast, and they're getting this analysis from Inside Carolina, the the best site 
in my opinion, on the 24-7 Sports Network. They're a more informed fan base than, than other fan bases. This is your chance, the listener, to tell your friend who, who might not be as in tune with Carolina football, hey, watch out for Tez Walker. And the guy's going to be like, oh, who's Tez Walker? Who's Tez Walker? I'm telling you right now, we are buying low on Tez Walker right now with the recent numbers that receivers have put up while at Carolina, where before 2019, when Mac Brown returned to Chapel Hill, UNC had 3,000-plus receiving yards, single seasons in school history. It was Hakeem Nix in 08. It was Dwight Jones in 11. And it was Ryan Switzer in 2016. And since Mac Brown has returned in four seasons, it's been done five times. Josh Downs did it twice. Deami Brown did it twice. And Daz Newsom did it once. You have Phil Longo, who moves on from Carolina. As their offensive coordinator, he he takes the same role at Wisconsin. But the last time I checked the depth chart, Carolina still has a Heisman caliber quarterback with Drake May, and he's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. I love Tez Walker's potential in this offense between his long frame and his speed at his size, where I think he covers ground quickly with long strides. Tez Walker, first team all ACC, book it. The next question comes in. Real time! Similar, but different. Drake is amazing, but after Downs leaving, will any of our receivers be up to the task? Listen, there's a lot of worries with this UNC team, with how they finished last year, and how that team projects this year, where you have a quarterback like Drake May, but you aren't this surefire ACC championship caliber type of team. So I'm of the opinion that yes, there are things to worry about for sure, and we'll get on. We'll get to some of that later. The wide receiver position is not on that list because this past off season, Drake May told the coaching staff, and the coaching staff told the NIL collective, which has become a a arm for for Carolina recruiting. Drake May told. I need star starting caliber wide receivers to compete next year. And Carolina went out and they identified that talent, Tez Walker and Nate McCollum, and they got them to Chapel Hill. They got them for a reason. I don't believe this is a, let's see what we have. Let's see out of training camp who's starting because spoiler, it's going to be Tez Walker and it's going to be Nate McCollum. And I've already said my piece on Walker. So the thing that people have to remember and realize about Nate McCollum is that he was at Georgia Tech last year, Power 5 school in the ACC, a Power 5 school that beat Carolina. He was Georgia Tech's leading receiver with 655 yards. And Georgia Tech had a, a revolving door with three quarterbacks last year. And that's hard for a receiver to build chemistry and and get that timing down when week in and week out, it's a different quarterback. Now you go from that situation where he was already 
pretty good. He was 11th in the ACC, averaging 65 receiving yards per game against Power 5 competition to a situation now where you're playing with one of, if not the best quarterbacks in all of college football. Mail time! Next question, we're sticking with the offense. Somebody asked, TV, who do you think takes the first snap at running back in Charlotte against South Carolina in September? That's a tough one. I want to say with everything in me that it's going to be Caleb Hood. I see him as having the most upside of any back currently on the Carolina roster. The problem with Caleb Hood is that the best of the best ability is availability. And with him, that has been a major issue since he's been on campus. It's a crowded backfield and the staff is hoping that camp will be the thing that begins to separate guys from the bunch. Marin Hampton was the name out of camp last year. George Petaway was the name out of camp last year. And while I think those two do have potential to be special long-term down the road, I'm just not in love with where they are right now in their development with vision and their ability to find lanes playing behind the Carolina offensive line that that's already not that good and not that great at, at creating lanes. So I think you have to go with somebody more experienced, somebody with more vision, somebody like Caleb Hood, somebody like British Brooks, who will be an option, although he's coming off a, a major knee injury. And then you have Elijah Green as another back worth mentioning. But all things equal, if this was Madden and you could just turn injuries off. Caleb Hood would be the guy with everything he brings to the field as a runner and a pass catcher out of the backfield. Real time. This is a, a pick your choice what side of the ball you want to talk about. But for UNC to be their best, what position group will have to improve the most? Thinking about this one, I thought long, I thought hard about this one. This is between the offensive line and the defensive line with the old adage that football is one in the trenches and both of these units have been largely underwhelming since Mac Brown has returned to Chapel Hill and has taken back the Tar Heels. Ultimately, I sided with the defensive line with how bad the defensive side of the ball has been. And I'm saying that the defensive line has to improve the most and it's an incredibly low bar to improve from. It's a a high jump for people that know track and field. And the bar is maybe half an inch off where the mat is. Because I tweeted it earlier in the week, but it's really fascinating to think about how much pressure the UNC defense is under this season to just be average with a quarterback like Drake Bay. The fan base isn't asking for, you know, 83 Bears or 2011 UNC where who's getting off the bus and that roster was filled with NFL-type talent. Most fans are just asking for an average defense. And with an average defense, 
and a quarterback like Drake May, you're going to win a lot of games. An average defense and Drake May, your ceiling probably goes from eight wins to 10 wins, which it should be 10 wins when you do have a a generational quarterback like Drake May, who's a, a consensus top five pick for this next upcoming NFL draft. And the standard for Carolina football, although it's it hasn't been one that's re- has been reached recently since my team in, in 2015, where where we were able to get to double digit wins. And you have a quarterback like Drake May, which is a, a huge catch. It's why when fans say last year you would have taken a, a nine win season. Yeah, before the season you would have taken a nine win season, but when you see how the season plays out and you have a quarterback as good as Drake May, you're allowed to to change your goals and change your goals on the fly when you watch the first snap and you're like, oh my God, this is the best quarterback North Carolina's ever going to have or the best quarterback North Carolina's ever had and who knows when a quarterback of his talent is going to come through Chapel Hill again. You have to be able to capitalize on those windows. And that's something that they failed to do last year. Even when things were rolling and UNC improved to nine and one and and they won the coastal division at Wake Forest, they weren't nine and one with Drake May. They were nine and one because of Drake May, which is a a big difference. Going into this year, I'm of the belief that they can't lean on him as heavily as they did last year, where every Saturday they're they're turning to him with two minutes to go on the clock and basically saying save us. And for, for Carolina to get out of that mindset, I think it'll start with UNC up front along the defensive line, causing havoc in the backfield. You can't put Drake May in as many high-pressure situations as Carolina did last year and, and have him playing that many snaps where he's the one you're depending on to alter the game. You have to take some of that pressure off him. And according to... Every recruiting database out there, Mac Brown has compiled a lot of, you know, talent on the defensive side of the ball. And with the results so far, it's either been a complete miss on evaluations, a complete miss on development, or a complete miss on on utilizing the talent, or some combination of the three, which it's it's more likely the case because you know, you you can't just pin it on one thing everybody needs to take a bit of the responsibility either way as a unit the defensive line has been really bad and i think for carolina to to reach their full potential as a team they're the unit that has to improve the most real time along the same lines will we finally see a pass rush i mean this sincerely brother your guess is as good as mine UNC brought in the people in support type roles around the program to help with Mac Brown unwilling to make a change at the top with Tim Cross after Carolina's season. So you bring in a, a senior defensive analyst in Ted Monacino, who has a ton of NFL experience and a graduate assistant in Camp Spence who can physically demonstrate the moves and techniques that are, are trying to be taught. And the hope there is now... UNC does have enough around to supplement the coaching staff to maximize 
on the potential of some of these players. And from doing the the Players Lounge podcast with Inside Carolina, we've had players like Kamon Rucker and Miles Murphy on, and I highly recommend any IC listener to check those out if you haven't in the Players Lounge series. But those guys on that defense have raved about those additions and their impact in the Keenan Football Center and also about this new defensive philosophy with Coach Chiswick of of taking the chains off players and letting them loose, which people have been asking for dating back to the Fedora days when you have a, a, a bend but don't break defense. Will there be a willingness for, for Coach Chiswick to kind of move off that and, and shift to more of an aggressive style of defense if he feels that the defense is starting to grasp his his teachings and his understandings and i think that's something that that starts at at the d coordinator position you have to have teachers at position coaches and then those guys have to be able to relay it to players and then the players have to be able to translate what they're being taught to on the field and i think there's been a, a disconnect at all three levels there and the the results you're getting are the defense that you've seen and it's a a team that was let's see 128th in sacks per game 128th in sacks per game that's out of 131 teams there was only three teams in the country that sacked teams less than carolina and i'm guessing those teams were pretty bad none of them had 10 plus win potential none of them had the best quarterback in college football. None of them had, you know, talent on the offensive side of the ball, like Josh Downs or Antoine Green. So 128th in sacks per game out of 131 teams is is difficult to, to stomach. It's difficult to process how the production could be that low. And because of that, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach to, to believing that Anything that gets said in this offseason, in the buildup to the season, it is true and factual. So will we see a pass rush? We'll see. Real time! This question comes in. The only person whose name I took, because it comes from Chris Cody, if you listen to the Dan Lebetard show, he jokingly put this question in here, but I thought it was actually a pretty good question and, and a question that fans would probably want to know. It's... How much depth does Carolina have at linebacker? In one word, minimal. Outside of the quarterback position, it's the one position for Carolina that they could least afford an injury to a starter. It's essentially Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, and they'll be relied upon to play something like 90 to 95% of snaps, depending on how close games are. And outside of them, the depth chart is an early enrollee, Amari Campbell and Deuce Caldwell backing up Power Eccles. So for those keeping track at home, that is 15 combined collegiate snaps. And then backing up Cedric Gray, you have a redshirt freshman, Sebastian Cheeks, who had who played 
He played three snaps before a season-ending injury last year, and another true freshman in Caleb Lavalli, Lavalli, Caleb Lavalli, who wasn't an early enrollee uh, because he was at a private school and they didn't allow early enrollees. So he's a a summer arrival. How much do you want to count on him? Knowing Coach Chiswick, I could safely assume the answer is not that much. And you look at the numbers from last season and the trends from last season, Cedric Ray and Power Eccles, they played in 95% and 85% of snaps respectively. And I don't see that reliance on those two changing. Chizik is going to rightfully put a lot on their plates from a workload perspective. And for as bad as the defense was last year, and it was pretty bad, like truly truly horrific Cedric Gray was awesome of linebackers that played nearly 800 snaps last season Gray had the seventh highest grade and when you look at the best linebackers returning to school he's even higher than seventh he's he's Cedric Gray if the defense is average Cedric Gray is somebody who should be getting all-American considerations. He should be getting all-American considerations regardless of how the defense is because he's that good of a player and he's that important to Carolina where if you take Cedric Gray off this defense, I know some people thought it was bad last time, last year at times. If if you take Cedric Gray off this defense, you, you don't want to watch the product because he is making that big of an impact and and influencing the defense that much to still be a a bottom third defense. Mail time! What minor adjustments defensively would make major impacts this season? Fixing their angles, going to the ball and trying to make tackles, better technique up front with their hands, um, better technique tackling, displaying more physicality when trying to tackle players stopping with the hero ball and and focusing on their gap or, or their coverage assignments. Those are some things that it's minor adjustments. You know, you're, you're not asking to make schematic changes, but a lot of Carolina's problems are those simple problems and they can be as simple as poor gap integrity, meaning that, They aren't where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. And a defense, you talk to anybody that knows anything about defense, some of the worst defenses, an entire play can fail when just one person is out of position. And it makes the entire defense look so much worse than it is. So a lot of Carolina's problems can be fixed by something as simple as that. And you look at where the defense was last year, and it's hard to do much worse. 102nd scoring defense, 116th total defense, 128th sacks per game, 130th tackles for a loss per game. Any of those adjustments, which I just mentioned, are are all minor, and they would make a major impact with the, again, the, the supposed talent that Carolina has on defense. And with some of the losses from last year's defense, from a a personnel 
and coaching standpoint, I believe this staff is looking at some of those moves as addition by subtraction. So you can take that for what it's worth. Real time! Let's get a in true Levitard show fashion. We're going to get a, a handicap, the top five season leaders in sacks. Somebody wanted to know who I thought would be the top five leaders in sacks. It's an almost impossible challenge with the lack of production, but we're going to have a go at it anyways. Number five, DeAndre Boykins. With Boykins, I think Carolina can be creative with moving him around and having him come off the edge. And he showed that ability last season that he can do it. It was only two sacks, but it's progress. And for a defense that didn't generate a lot of sacks, Boykins' two sacks felt massive, and he he gets even more pressure than his two sacks showed. And I think he showed enough last year to have a little bit more creativity in in using him and and disguising where he is uh, with his ability to drop back into coverage or come off the edge and, and try to blindside quarterbacks. Number four, I have Miles Murphy. He can generate some push inside. I liked Jason Staples' scouting report on him where he mentioned that Murphy has an excellent build for a modern hybrid defensive line schemes. His technique has hurt him. So maybe he's one of the guys that benefits the most from Monticino's influence and and they scheme more ways to get him one-on-one looks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Number three, you knew he was going to be here somewhere on the list. This is me falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Number three, it's Dez Evans. I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. It's the banana in the tailpipe because Dez Dez Evans has one career sack in three seasons. But um, looking at my options, and they're slim. He'll get his chances starting at one of the end positions. And maybe, and the hope is that this is the year the former highly rated prospect puts it all together because he, for as long as Des Evans plays football, he will be a first guy off the bus with how impressive his frame is. And you look at him, you're like, that is everything a defensive end should look like and that guy should be a a 10 plus sacks guy every year he hasn't been last year was cut short with an injury still don't think he was going to be 
you know, maybe he would have got one sack, maybe he would have got two sacks, but what for whatever reason, the light bulb hasn't clicked. Maybe he benefits from Monticino's influence. Maybe he benefits from this new philosophy that Carolina has talked about, about taking the chains off guys and letting edge rushers pin their ears back and get after quarterbacks because he looks the part. Number two, he's a newcomer to this Carolina team, but he's not a newcomer to college football. It's Amari Gaynor. I'm putting Gaynor at the two spot because he's shown success getting after quarterbacks at the Power 5 level, transferring over from Florida State where he had three and a half sacks his redshirt freshman year in Tallahassee, where he was one of the Knolls' most productive defenders that season in a role similar to what he was brought in to play at the Jack position in Chapel Hill. Jason Staples, who again watched him at FSU more closely, has him projected as a five to seven sack type guy for this upcoming season. Five to seven sacks right now sounds like Lawrence Taylor in his prime for for what we've seen from Carolina since Damon Fox left. And you'd sign up for that production right now. Number one, Kamon Rucker, the butcher. He was Carolina's sack leader last year. You look at him. We just mentioned it, the getting off the bus. Came on Rucker. Nothing that'll jump off the page. Nothing that'll make you do a double take. Yet, he is the only one from this defensive line unit that has found ways to make plays consistently for Carolina. I love Jason's scouting report. I have read everyone in detail, but I want to read to you the strengths from Kamon Rucker's scouting report from Jason. Country strong and plays with great leverage. Fighter who plays with aggression and does his job. Good bursts and excellent short area quick, quickness. Regularly the first off the ball. Consistently gets penetration. Can bully tight ends in the run game finds ways to make plays and jumps off the tape when he's on the field, arrives angry against blocks and ball carriers, natural heavy hands, and has continued to develop in that area, plays sideline to sideline, and pursues with decent speed and good angles, relentless finisher, excellent dip move to bend the edge against taller offensive tackles, has multiple pass rush arsenal, including Quality rip, spin, and bull puts offensive linemen on skates into backfield multiple times per game, can play both standing and his hand in the dirt. I mean, what more do you need to hear to figure out who who you put as the top handicap for who's going to get the most sacks for this Carolina team? Jason has him projected for the 7 to 10 sacks range. And he could have a Taman Fox type season getting to double digit sacks. I think that's that's possible because of the things working in his favor and somebody like Amari Gaynor's favor is that they are football players first where you watch them work, you watch them on film, and you wish that you could have 11 on Rutgers out there defensively. Real time! Somebody asked, player that the fan base overrates versus underrates for this upcoming season. For overrated, it's 
the players that were the top three players in the class of 2022 and true freshmen last year, Zach Rice, Andre Green Jr., and Travis Shaw. And I'm not saying that they're overrated in the sense of that they won't develop into something, but more so that I don't believe that Carolina is counting on any of those guys to be impact players this season. And I'm not sure that any of those players at the moment are prepared for any sort of major role. Starting at the at the nose position defensively, you get Tamari Fox back defensively this year, who is most likely ahead of Shaw at this point. The thing working in Shaw's favor is that he has the highest ceiling of any defensive tackle on the roster. So the light switch could come on at any moment, at any point for him. But right now, I think he's I think he's more of a, a, a depth piece than somebody that Carolina can confidently say that they're counting on. Moving to the other side of the ball and to Zach Rice, I shared a positive earlier from a, a Jason Staples scouting report. Here's a weakness section. Again, if you're if you're not checking out Jason's scouting reports, you are missing out on a ton of quality content on the IC message message boards. Zach Rice weaknesses. Young and raw, still a puppy and needs to get significantly stronger. Pad level is a problem, tends to stand up on first and second steps. Needs to improve core and hip strength. Repeatedly gets put on skates by stronger defensive tackles. Has to be more disciplined about knee bend and driving through his hips. Hand placement is sloppy. Allows defensive linemen to get hands on his chest and control him. Likes to bear hug and has to learn to get his hands inside. Conditioning is a factor. Game is still moving too fast for him. Still thinking and a beat slow. Pass pro technique has a long way to go for the power five level when at offensive tackle. Open shoulder too quickly and presents soft shoulders to pass rusher and too heavy footed at present. Needs to play with more of an edge and prove he's not soft. Needing a nasty edge to play on the offensive line at this level when you aren't just manhandling little Johnny from science class in in high school. And the fact that toughness and intangibles are, are coming into question, not the best sign. And when you listen to that scouting report, there's a lot of weaknesses there where you, you can't imagine Carolina trusting him on their offensive line to protect Drake May. Unless you're doing a lot of things like moving the pocket for Drake May, there are a, a shocking amount of weaknesses there. And and the most shocking is needs to play with more of an edge and prove he's not soft. Because when you're on that offensive line, that, that is not something you want to worry about at the Power 5 level. Andre Green Jr., he stepped into a bigger role with Antoine Green and, and Josh Downs out in the bowl game against Oregon, and he recorded his only three catches of the season, three catches, 26 yards, and a touchdown. 
Carolina fans might see that game and say, oh, the natural progression is for Andre Green to step into an even bigger role this season because Antoine Green and Josh Downs are gone. But again, there was a need for snaps that game. But that need goes away when you bring in and you add a Nate McCollum and Tez Walker. At this stage, I'm more confident in J.J. Jones in that other outside spot. And I'll talk about J.J. Jones in a second. Or you mix it up by working Nate McCollum on the outside, which Carolina has done a bit this summer. And you put Nate McCollum on the outside and you have Kobe Pesor to the slot, who Kobe Pesor looked pretty good in in filling in for Josh Downs when Josh Downs missed times when Josh Downs missed time last season then having I think both of those options are a lot better than having to rely upon too heavily on Andre Green if he just isn't ready yet and that is perfectly okay he's going into his true sophomore season I'll verify that right now. I think he's I think he technically redshirted last year. Because did he play enough games? No, he only appeared in five games at wide receiver. Um and it considered a redshirt year on, on the roster. I I just looked that up to verify. It is perfectly okay that Andre Green isn't at starting caliber power five level yet as a wide receiver. He did not play in a competitive conference in high school, and it'll probably be a bigger adjustment to the collegiate game. So I think the the fans, when they're thinking about Andre Green and thinking about the talent Carolina already has in their wide receiver in their wide receiver room, you have to adjust the timeline for Andre Green, and you have to be thinking of him more as a a next year guy with somebody like Connor Harrell or or the year after that when you lose Tez Walker and you lose Nate McCollum and all of a sudden there there is a need and maybe Carolina doesn't address that need in the transfer portal because if you don't have Drake May, okay, maybe there maybe you do see what you have in Andre Green this year. When you have Drake May, you have to go out and get him starting caliber wide receivers and you can't take a chance on what do we have with Andre Green and let's let's figure it out. No, you you know you have one of the best quarterbacks in college football. You need to get wide receivers that can complement him. Carolina did that with with Tez Walker and Nate McComb. Don't need Andre Green to be a starting caliber receiver right now. Again, more than okay. Underrated, I would say Kevin Hester Jr., who I mentioned uh, Tamari Fox at the at the nose position, probably ahead of Shaw. Kevin Hester Jr. is also ahead of Shaw as the projected starter. And it's with with Shaw, you have a crazy gap between his floor right now and where his ceiling could be by midseason, by the end of the year. With Hester, there isn't a crazy gap. His floor is pretty close to his ceiling, but he's more than a solid option. And for a projected starter on the Carolina defense, it doesn't feel as if he gets talked about. So I would have him as one of one of my underrated players for for the Carolina football fan. Kevin Hester Jr. is probably not a name you thought about much this offseason, but he's a projected starter. On the other side of the ball, I mentioned that I was going to talk about him, an underrated player, J.J. Jones. 
when I was looking at the stats from last year, quietly J.J. Jones put up a 400-plus receiving yard season. Last year, playing behind Antoine Green and Josh Downs, he is a good downfield option as somebody that can stretch the field vertically. And I think Carolina... I think Carolina is pretty solid right now going into training camp. Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, J.J. Jones. And then fill in fill in the rest of the depth chart with with the other guys that you have. Mail time! Final question. I said we were going to take two more questions, but let's cut this short, and then I could save other questions for other episodes in addition to questions that people send in on the IC message board, or again, you could just tweet them to me. Um, you could DM me them or just tweet them out. Uh, and I will try to get to them. I will try to get to every question before the season. There is no off season when it comes to inside Carolina. The last question isn't so much a question for this season, which is why I kind of wanted to answer it. What is the ideal transition plan from Mac Brown? You have to start kind of thinking about it soon. Mac Brown is 71 years old, and you see on the basketball side with somebody like Roy Williams, you kind of have to be prepared for a a coach of that age to step down whenever whenever they do choose. I'm under the impression that the initial succession plan for Mac Brown was Gene Chizik. Chizik is 10 years younger than Mac Brown. He has had success as a head coach, and he has experience in Chapel Hill. You bring him in for a few years as the defensive coordinator until Mac Brown decides to step down, and it's a a pretty seamless transition if everything goes well. The problem is that everything has not gone well. The problem is that the defense has been horrifically bad, that you, you can no longer justify making him your head coach if Mac Brown was to retire, say, today. Or not today, because Carolina, with how close the season is, Carolina would be in a pinch to, to find some alternative. But say Mac Brown retired at the end of last year, there's no way you could justify to the Carolina fan base that Mac Brown should that the successor to Mac Brown should have been Gene Chizik. So unless something drastically changes this year and Carolina goes into a top 25, top 40 defense where you notice the changes and you notice the impact that, that the defense is making and they're not relying on Drake May as heavily as they did last year, it's hard to justify putting Chizik in a position to be a head coach because, you know, you could say Carolina fans care about basketball more than they care about football. I would disagree with that. The fans that care about Carolina football care passionately about Carolina football. And some of them might have been born at night, but they were not born last night. And you would not slide that by them without there being some kind of uproar. And... You're looking at the the staff as it's currently constructed, and I don't see other head coaching candidates on the current staff outside of Chip Lindsey, who has had 
some head coaching experience if the offense excels this year. Or you could take a shot on somebody like Lonnie Galloway. It's not the the traditional route for how you find your next head coach, but it has worked in other situations like Clemson with Dabo Sweeney. The, the pro arguments for Galloway, he's a North Carolina native. He's been a great wide receiver coach and a great recruiter since coming to Chapel Hill. In this hypothetical situation of Mac Brown retiring at the end of this year, if I'm the AD, um, in succession terms, um, spoiler alert, if you have not finished succession, I will give you, you know, five, ten seconds to skip forward right now. I'm Wams Gannon it. I'm going outside the family. I'm taking a chance on Garrett Riley, who just took the Clemson offensive coordinator role this past offseason after taking TCU to the college football playoff in the same role, offensive coordinator with Max Duggan. And that TCU offense was electric. Riley had his fingerprints all over it. You have his brother who had success at ECU and then he became the head coach at Oklahoma and had success and now he's at USC and he just coached the Heisman the Heisman winner it's a family that knows a thing or two about football and I'd be willing to make the bet that he is the next star in the sport at 33 years old one of my biggest complaints about this UNC staff since Mac Brown has been back, is that they they are pretty set in their ways with either an unwillingness to change or just being, you know, set in, in their ways of, of how they've always done things. And maybe that hasn't been an effective way. And, and there's been very little to do to, to remedy it or find adjustments. And it's, you know, fitting a, a square peg in a round hole and being shocked when when things don't change. And with somebody like Riley, you'd be getting a young, fresh-thinking, innovative offensive mind that could build something that feels sustainable at North Carolina, 33 years old, and you have him for you know the long-term future if you invest in him now. But you know, Mac Brown is is still the head coach of North Carolina. Uh, big expectations this year for North Carolina with quarterback like Drake May, you're always going to have expectations. The the sleeping giant that is North Carolina. We'll see how they do this year, kicking off September 3rd. But in the meantime, Mail time. submit your questions. Submit your questions in this board. Submit your questions to my Twitter DMs, to my message board DMs. Appreciate everybody for watching or listening. This was the mailbag edition for an Inside Carolina offseason podcast. I'm Taylor Biblis signing out. Salute to you. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.